Welcome to McCullough Christian Center's broadcast today. If you would like more information about our church, please visit our website at www.purposemcc.com. Take your Bible and turn with me. I want to start at 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 18. And I'm going to say this morning that we're going to, this is going to be kind of a series that we're going to be on for a little, little bit. I don't do too good in series because about the time I start a series, I'll start it and won't, won't get to preach for the next two weeks. And so, but I'm going to say that we're going to, this is going to be a series because God has dealt very strongly with me concerning what we're going to talk about this morning. And if you want to write this down, we're going to talk about redemption, revelation, and demonstration. Redemption to revelation and demonstration. Those three words God dealt with me a couple weeks ago about, and I don't want to keep you standing long, but I just want to just want to kind of give you a little bit about where we're going and why we're going there, because the Lord dealt with me uh, a few weeks ago about these three words, and uh, and so I was. From that, I was concerned, and I was asking God, and I was saying, God, you know, why is it that, that you know, we're not, we're, not, we're not seeing revival, we're not seeing people uh, moving in what your word says that they can move in, signs and wonders, and why is it that, that we spend so much time uh, trying to keep people propped up. I got a roar up here, guys, in this. I don't know if it's too loud for you or, or what. So I was, I was questioning, and I was, I was just <clears throat> wondering, and, and you've heard me say this before, that on any given Sunday across the United States of America, there there are churches everywhere. There are churches on every corner. There are mega churches uh, that are that are gathering this morning. Some uh, have attendances of uh, 15, 20,000 people that attend their services on a Sunday morning, and and multiple services and all of that, and and churches around this area that that we're seeing that are gathering this morning to worship. But why is it that, that we're not seeing more of an impact of the gospel on our society? Why is it that, that we're not seeing the, the gospel impact more in our communities, in our families? Uh, you might never think about this, but as a pastor, uh, one of my job descriptions is to see uh, a move of God. 
I tell you what, go ahead and sit down because this could get long. But, but that is, that is my, one of my job descriptions is to bring people into a place with God that, that God is having an impact on you and your family. Listen, we're called to be the light of the world and the salt of the earth. Light always impacts darkness. Amen? It always, you cannot turn even the smallest light on in a dark room without that light shining and illuminating a place in that darkness. Salt, Jesus said, unless it has lost its ability to savor, always flavors that that it's applied to. So we're living in a generation to where, and in a time that we're seeing God is pouring His Spirit out and God is doing great things. And, and I believe that what God is wanting us to understand is that that's not the extent of what He wants to do. God wants to do great things in your life, sir and ma'am. So how do we get there? How do we get, how do we get to the place where God is releasing His anointing on our lives and, and moving in our lives and, and we're seeing bondages break, broken in our families? We're seeing our children turned around by the power of the gospel. And God began to deal with me about this subject, redemption to revelation and demonstration and so first Peter chapter 1 and verse 18 says this for as much as you know <clears throat> that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. I want you to notice that word redeemed. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, such as silver and gold, but by the precious blood of Jesus, of Christ. That word redeemed means to deliver by payment of ransom. In other words, you were, you were redeemed, but you were redeemed because somebody paid a price for your redemption. In other words, you were in bondage in sin, and you could not get yourself out of it. You could not break the power of sin over your life. Thus, Jesus came and shed his blood on the cross of Calvary. The blood that was shed on the cross of Calvary became the ransom that would pay for your sin. 
when the blood of Jesus was presented before the throne of God, God said that is enough to deal with the sin problem in your life. And so the blood brought me back to a right relationship with God. The blood of Jesus. The blood delivered me. The blood was, was as I said earlier, the blood was that, that when Jesus shed his blood and I received what he shed for me. That is my, uh, that is my way out of the bondage of sin that was so prevalent in my life. And I want to tell you something this morning. When an unbeliever, when a sinner that does not know Jesus, it does not matter how deep your sin is. It does not matter how strong your bondage is. It does not matter how much you have messed up. It doesn't matter how many dirt roads you've been down. It doesn't matter how many uh, beds you've lain in and all that. It does not matter how many needles have been stuck in your arm. It doesn't matter uh, your bondage. That is, that is beside the point. Listen, can I tell you something this morning? Jesus came to save that which was lost. But let, listen, listen. So it doesn't matter how big the sin is. Get, get that out of your head. Get it out of your head that my sin is bigger than somebody else's because your mess up is not any bigger than the one sitting next to you. Because we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every one of us. Every one of us. Every one of us, there's, there's some beautiful babies in the house, but you know what? You don't have to teach that baby to tell a lie because when they get up big enough, Junior, did you pour this stuff out on the floor? I didn't do that. You see, the, the thing is that, that we look at this big sin. I've got this big sin. I've got this big oppression. I've got this big depression. And, and I've got this big problem that God, uh, I, don't, I don't believe that God is able. But can I tell you this morning that when the blood flowed downward from Calvary, that is a picture that it flowed down to you and I. And when you come to Jesus unsaved, uh, bound in your sin when you come to Jesus by faith with a sincere heart because you recognize you're a sinner. You recognize you're lost. You recognize that you're bound for hell unless you turn. When you do that and you come to Jesus and you bow before him and say, Father, I am a sinner. In need of a Savior. When you do that, and I, I want, I want, we're talking about redemption. I want you to understand that it does not matter how big the sin is. When you bow before a holy God and confess your sin, 
and ask him to come into your life. The blood, the blood that he shed on the cross breaks the power of sin in your life. You are redeemed. You are set free. Come on. Now, I know that some of you are saying, well, you know, Pastor, you, you know, that's, you don't really understand my problem. Listen, let's be honest. If you think your problem is too big for God to handle, you, you are demeaning the blood of Jesus. If you think your sin is too much for heaven to handle, then you're walking right down the middle of what hell wants you to think. Therefore, you tie up the hands of God. Mm. But I'm telling you this morning, we walk by faith and not by sight. You don't come to Jesus by the way you feel. You don't come to Jesus by any other reason but the fact that you're lost and you're on your way to hell and you need a Savior, you need a Redeemer, you're a slave to your sin, you're a slave to your bondage, you're a slave to your perversion and all of that. And when you come to Jesus, friend, the blood is not halfway, it is not a quarter way, it is an all the way deliverance and a breaking and a severing of the bondage that's in your life it's the blood when he redeems friend he redeems you see this culture that we're in today has got us thinking that the blood is not as powerful as it used to be I want to tell you something this morning. Heaven has not changed. Jesus is still the same. God is still God. And the blood is still the blood. He still redeems. He still sets free. The sinner can come and be set free by the power of the blood of Jesus. But here's where I want to go. In 2 Peter chapter 2, I'll tell you what, scratch that. Go to Exodus chapter 3. While you're turning to Exodus, that's the... the you have to go left. If you was in First Peter, go left. And keep traveling until you come to the end and then go back right one book. When you see that big oak tree there, you'll know you're there. While you're getting there, let me tell you this. Because I know 
that some might be, might be thinking and might be saying, well, Pastor, I don't understand why I continue to go through these struggles. I don't understand why uh, I continue to deal with these battles. See, what happens when you become a Christian is that there's a spiritual turnover in your life. And from then on, you walk by faith and not by what your mind, body, and soulish self is telling you. You see, and the longer that you walk by faith in the belief and the understanding that God has set you free, that he's broken that bondage in your life, the longer you do that, the more freedom you're going to experience. But see, in our culture, we, we've got this idea, well, if it's in my mind, it's got to be okay. If I think about it long enough, then it's got to be God. Exodus chapter 3. Listen, the Bible says in Exodus chapter 3 that God comes down in, in the form of a burning bush and Moses is out keeping his father-in-law's sheep. Moses comes up and he sees this burning bush. And, and to make a long story short, he goes to check it out, to see what's going on. Uh, and so he walks up to it, God speaks to him, and said, take your shoes off because the place where on you're standing is holy ground. Moses takes his shoes off, and God begins to download to Moses what he wants Moses to do. In other words, Moses, I want you, I've chosen you and called you, and I want you to go to Egypt and deliver my people out of bondage. So the Bible says that Moses gets, gets everything together, goes to Egypt to bring the children of Israel out of bondage. Uh, and, and so you leave there and you go over uh, into Exodus chapter 12 and you see where uh, God has told Moses and the children of Israel, I want you to do something. Uh, God had, had poured plagues out on Egypt, on Pharaoh and all of that, and Pharaoh had hardened his heart. And, and all of that, which is a picture that there are things in your life that when you come into a slavery uh, a place, a bondage in your life, that there are times that God has to work to break those things off of your life. Uh, and and um, many times it is not that he's dealing with you, but God is dealing with the demonic powers that have been uh, holding you down, that have been keeping you in bondage. Listen, don't, don't think that God's not working on your behalf because there are times when God is saying, uh, this demon that I've been dealing with has hardened himself up in your life, but I am breaking a little bit by a little bit, I am breaking the demonic powers off from around your life. So the Bible says that that uh, God spoke to Moses and, and told him, he said, I want you to tell the people to get them a lamb, and uh, a lamb for a house, and, and I want you to tell them to, to uh, slay that lamb and, and take the blood of that lamb and put it over the top of their door and over, over both side posts, the doorposts and the lentils of their house. 
And he said, what's going to happen is that, that the blood's going to be applied with a, with a piece of hyssop, which is a, a, a picture of faith. He said, take the hyssop, strike the doorpost and the side post of the house. In other words, by faith, I want you to apply the blood over the doorpost and the side post of your house. And he said, at midnight, I'm going to send a death angel through. And he said, when they see the blood over the doorpost of your house, they will pass over your house. But if the blood is not present over the doorpost of your house, he said, the firstborn in your house will be taken. You know the story. We've heard it years and years. They applied the blood over the door of their house. At midnight, the death angel came through. When he, said, when he saw the blood, he passed over. Those that belonged to God and had applied the blood uh, were, were able to be spared the effect of the death angel. That was a picture that was an Old Testament picture that there would be a day that the Lamb of God, Jesus, would die on the cross of Calvary and His blood would be applied to our lives that would deliver us from the powers of death. But here's the thing. The blood was applied. The death angel came that night, that night. God brought the children of Israel out of bondage. Now listen. The blood is a protector. But it was not necessarily a sign to God that you were protected if you put the blood over the doorpost of your house. But it was a sign that you had been delivered. When God saw the blood, he said, I, I see deliverance. And so the death angel passed over. They went out of Egypt that night. The children of Israel that had been in bondage to the, to the nation of Egypt for 430 years, that night, they went out of Egypt. Free, set free. Slaves, for 430 years, God broke the bondage and set them free. Can I say that again? In slavery, for 430 years, and God said, put blood over the door, and at midnight I'm coming through, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you so that you can pass out of your bondage. In other words, God said, when I see the blood, you will not die, but you will be delivered from the powers of death. That night, the Bible says in the book of Exodus chapter 12 that that, that night that over 600,000 men walked out of Egypt. 
That's not counting women and children. If you count women and children, you're probably looking at, at 1.2, 1.5, even up to 2 million people left out of Egypt. Now, now get this. If this was my house, and this was the door of my house, God said put the blood over here and over here and up here which is a picture of the cross. So when, listen, while I'm in here, I am a slave, bound by sin. The blood is right here. If I want to get free from sin, I've got to go through the door. Jesus said, I am the door. He said, I am the way, and I am the truth, and I am the life. I'm preaching to y'all over here, okay? I'm going to get to them in a minute. They got some problems. I got to get over there. But if I want to get free, I can't stay in the house. I've got to go through the door. But the moment, the moment, I can get ever so close, but I'm still going to be just as much a slave as I've always been. But once I make that step, that my back now is to the door, then I am no longer, I am no longer a slave. Because when I walked through the door, I walked through the blood. And when I walked through the blood, the Bible says that the Egyptian people were so desperate to get them out of Egypt that they gave them silver, whatever that is, gold or whatever. They loaded them down. With pearl necklaces and gold watches and diamonds and just go ahead and give me that stuff. I'm I'm set free. Come on. <laughs> but they loaded them down. They came out of Egypt loaded down with gold and precious jewelry. But I, this is what I want you to get because I want you to understand this. When they walked through the door, they were no longer slaves. When they walked through the door, they were no longer slaves. I'm your pastor. And I'm, I'm, I'm shepherding you this morning. 
Because I want you to understand this. When they walked through the door, the effect, the stronghold, no more. Listen, no more would there ever be again the whip of a taskmaster laid on their back. Mm. No more would there ever be a midwife that would be standing there that when the baby boy was born, they would take him up and throw him in the river. It was stopped. It was stopped. You, you need to hear what I'm saying. When they walked through the door, they walked into another reality and another realm of living. Because God had delivered them out of bondage. God had broken the yoke of the taskmaster. God had set them free. You was a slave a while ago, but now you are no longer a slave. Look, I'm a slave right now, but right now I'm free. That's, that is the power of the blood of Jesus. The Lord spoke to my heart. He said, son, I want you to talk about redemption. He said, because there's a lot of people that have a misunderstanding about redemption because they think that I got to go through this. I got to do that. I got to fight like hell. I got to get, get uh, beat up by the devil and all of that before I can get my freedom. I'm telling you now, freedom is now. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. They were free. But catch this. You can take you can take the individual out of Egypt but the problem is getting Egypt out of the individual hmm. that's where the rubber meets the road You see, and, and the problem, the misunderstanding about redemption is here. I'm free when I came through the door. But man, I still got some of these Egyptian thoughts. See, because you've been in slavery to your sin for so long. That it has created a mindset. 
It has created a way of thinking in your life. And so what we don't understand is, well, I walk through the door. I'm no longer a slave. But how in the world do I deal with this anger? I, I go to the altar every Sunday. And, and I, do, I do the right things. I pay my tithes and, and, and I, I raise my hand. Every time they sing Amazing Grace, I raise my hand. Because that's the holy thing to do. But I just, I don't understand that I, I can't seem to get this problem with pornography under control. Instead of me controlling it, it is controlling me. See, and, I, and I'm going to go ahead and move off of there because some of y'all saying, I wish you'd hurry up and move on to something else. I'm just being honest with you. See, yours might not be pornography. Yours might be just lying tongue. A lot of things we could talk about with the tongue. You might just be one that just cuts people out or something like that. And you just can't seem to get it under control. And I know that what I'm talking about this morning, there will be some that will say, well, bless God, you, you should have been delivered and all that. I'm telling you this morning, uh, people perish for a lack of vision. And, and vision is understanding and revelation and enlightenment of what God wants to do. And because there is no vision in your life, you don't understand what's going on. And the devil has lied to you and told you that what you're dealing with, you're going to have to deal with it the rest of your life because not even God is able to deal with a problem that you're in. But the devil is a liar. I'm telling you this morning I'm telling you this morning that when you leave out of Egypt God has set you free the blood has been applied over the door and, and the blood has set you free you are a child of God you are free you're no longer a slave but what we've got to deal with is a mindset that would say I am not free because if I was free I wouldn't be thinking So here's the thing, and I'm, I promise I'm going to let you out because we've got to go get a hamburger. <laughs> here's the thing. If you go back a little bit, you will read when God spoke to Moses and said, I'm sending you to Egypt to get my people out of bondage. Because I am going to take them to a land that flows with milk and honey. Amen? Everybody loves that land that flows with milk and honey, isn't it? All right? Yeah. We all love that. But if you will also look in Exodus chapter 3, all the way through uh, chapter 12, I think it is. You see, you'll see in there, there's, there's about six or seven times... 
that God says to Moses and Moses says to Pharaoh, let my people go that they may serve me in the wilderness. More than God says, let my people go that I may take them to a land that flows with milk and honey, he says, let my people go that they may serve me in the wilderness. So, I'm redeemed, but I'm struggling and I'm battling. God says, let them go that they may serve me or worship me in the wilderness. So, when they leave out of Egypt, in Exodus chapter 13, they've left out of Egypt, they've come through the door, uh, and, and they're walking, they're free from slavery and all of that. In Exodus chapter 13, verse 21, the Bible says that when they came out of Egypt, they were led by a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day. Amber was talking about the glory this morning. That was the glory of God. Mm. We didn't even talk about that. It was, they were led by the glory of God. Listen, when you get out of your slavery, God's not going to just back away and say, now, I want to see how tough you are. No. No. God said, I'm going to direct you and I'm going to guide you with a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Listen, listen. Through the blood, the cloud over my head. You gotta make this, you gotta make this change here. The blood broke the curse of slavery from over my life. But the glory. The glory is taking me somewhere else. If you don't understand the glory of God, it will cause you to wander around the outskirts of Egypt. See, God knew that if I don't do something, because these people have been in bondage for 430 years. They don't know how to make decisions on their own. Because the decision has always been made for them. That's the bondage that you are in or you have been in. When I first started in in ministry, I'm not going to say where or, or what, but I could always tell about 1150. Them little watches, that's before we had cell phones. Them little watches, them little Kmart watches. 
them little things to start beep, 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 beep. And I could watch, a lot of times I could watch the deacon board get real nervous. Because about 12 o'clock, I got to have a stick. That's the reason that a lot of them had ashtrays in the front of the church. Because that bondage was telling them God is finished here. Ooh. Somebody just turned the air conditioner on. It's getting cold in here. You see, because sin robs you of your ability to make decisions that are best for you. Because sin dictates to you what you need to do. That's the reason the alcoholic can go good for a day or two, but then that bondage says you have got to have another drink. The porn addict can do good for a little while, and he tells his wife, I'll never do that again until he gets to a certain place, and that, that bondage says you've got to have a fix. So that is the reason that when the blood brought them out of slavery, the cloud of glory led them away from Egypt. You missed that. <clears throat> it led them away from Egypt. And the reason they needed a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night is because God said it is absolutely urgent that I get you away from here. So therefore, we're going to have to drive during the day and we're going to have to drive at night because I want to put just as much distance as I can between you and Egypt. Because God knew that Pharaoh was going to regret the decision that he made and that he was going to come hunting the children of Israel. I'm talking about redemption and revelation. Listen, they left, the cloud of glory followed them. They got to the Red Sea. And they crossed the Red Sea, which was a picture of baptism for us. They walked through the Red Sea, and it was a picture of baptism. But notice something else. When they went through the Red Sea, who followed them? Pharaoh and his army, which was a picture of their old slavery mentality. All right, so Pharaoh and his army was following hard after the children of Israel. They walked through. They were baptized under the cloud. And, and, and I could read you scriptures, but I'm trying to save a little time. I tell you what, 1 Corinthians 10, 1. Moreover, brethren, 
1 Corinthians 10.1. Moreover, brethren, I would not have you that you should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud, talking about the children of Israel, and they all passed through the sea and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And they did all eat the same spiritual meat. They did all drink the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. But with many of them, God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things were our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. So notice this. They went through the Red Sea. Egypt followed them. But here's what happened. Baptism is a picture of going down into a watery grave and coming up in the resurrected life of Jesus Christ. God took them through, Egypt, through the Red Sea. When they got on the other side, I don't know why I'm preaching to this side over here this morning, but when they came through on the other side, Pharaoh and his army was following them. The sea closed in on them. They were wiped out. Now, now get this picture. God wiped out the power of sin to ever come again and rob them of their freedom. In one swift motion, Pharaoh was washed up. The armies of Egypt were destroyed. And in that, God said, no longer and no more will you ever be affected by the armies of Pharaoh and by the taskmasters of Egypt. Can you get, listen, get this pic, get it, can you get it? Can you understand what I'm saying? He set them free. He broke the bondage. But listen, he said, that's not where you're going to stop. You can't stop there. Remember, God had set them free from slavery. God had dealt with the taskmasters. But listen, God was not, God was not big enough to deal with their mind. Now, I know some of you raised your eyes when I said God's not big enough to deal with your mind. But you need to understand, God can only deal with things that we allow him to deal with. If you don't let him do it, he's not going to do it. He's not going to come and grab you by the neck and slap you and, and all that and say, do this. But out of all that God had done, brought them out of slavery, dealt with Pharaoh and his army, God was still wanting to do something else. Go into the wilderness and worship. They went from there. They went to Marah where the waters were bitter. 
Moses threw the, the, the stick in the water and God healed the waters. It was there where God revealed himself to them that he is Jehovah Rapha. I am the God that heals you. So God was revealing his power to them. He was letting them know this is who I am. They went on from there and they were hungry. So uh, they, they cried out to Moses and God sent manna from heaven. Bread from heaven, which is a picture of, of Christ being the bread of life. Manna came down, manna in the morning and manna at night. Then they got thirsty and they, they didn't have any water. And, and so in, in the book of Exodus chapter 17, God said to Moses, uh, go to this rock and smite the rock and water's going to come out of the rock, which is another picture of Christ being the water of life. But then they got to Mount Sinai, and I got about five minutes to finish this up. Then they got to Mount Sinai. Mount Sinai is, called, is known as the Mountain of Revelation. They got to Mount Sinai, which, by the way, is, the, is also the same place that Moses met God at the burning bush. That's the reason God said this place is holy. Take your shoes off. They get to Mount Sinai. God tells Moses, he says, I want you to sanctify the people because tomorrow about this time I'm going to come down and I'm going to reveal myself to them. I'm going to talk to you and I want them to hear what I got to say and I want them to know who I am. Mount Sinai is a place where Moses went up on the mountain and got the ten commandments or the ten words from God it was a place where God brought his people to reveal himself to them they get to Mount Sinai the cloud the mountain is covered with with clouds and smoke and thundering and and all of this man just just a powerful experience there and Moses was on, on the mountain talking to God and God says I want you to go down, and he said, I, I'm fixing to speak. And, and Moses goes down, and the people, listen, the people looked at Moses and said, Hey, buddy, we appreciate all you've done for us, but tell him to talk to you. We don't want to talk to him because we're afraid. Moses, let, let God talk to you. But we don't want to talk to him. And, and so they backed up. And they said, we don't want to do this because we're afraid. Just stay at a distance. Here's the thing. And I'm fixing the clothes. That was the place. God had brought them through the blood. He had dealt with the, the taskmasters. He had shown them that he's the water of life, the bread of life. He had, he had done all that. But Mount Sinai was the place that God wanted to reveal to them his intimate of who he was. In other words, Brother Carl, Mount Sinai was the place that, that God was saying, when you walk away from this mountain, I want you to understand that I am the God that will love you, that will 
take care of you, that will sustain you. I am the God. I am your forever God. I am not just a moment in your life. I'm not just a thought. I am a forever God. I am a loving Father. I'll be there. I'll fight your battles. I'll deal with your enemies. There's no weapon that will ever be formed against you that will prosper because you are my children. You are the apple of my eye. And I love you unconditionally with an everlasting love. When you walk away from this mountain, I want you to know who I am. But they backed up. Here's the thing. <clears throat> the Bible says in Exodus chapter 12 that the night they went out, 600,000 men, not including women and children, went out. If you read on down in that passage of that story, the Bible tells us, and we all know this probably, the Bible tells us that there were only two men, Joshua and Caleb, that made it into the promised land. So do the math. 600,000 men went out of Egypt. Two of them, only two of them, made it into the promised land. That would be 599,998 that did not make it to the promise that God wanted them to have. Now think about this. They had been delivered. God had set them free. But he could not get them into the promised land. He could not get them into that place of rest. He could not get them into that place of abundance. He could not get them into that place of joy. He could not get them into that place where they would have houses they didn't build, vineyards they didn't plant, cars they didn't uh, buy, and all that. He could not get them there because, why? Because when he took them to the mountain to really reveal to them who he was, they backed away. Listen. When we fail to have revelation of who God really is, we are prone to continually go back to Egypt. The reason that they could not get to the promised land was because they were constantly going back to Egypt. Boy, I sure hate to quit right here. See, Redemption by itself is good. But if you don't get revelation after redemption, you will never be able to walk in victory. That is the reason that people will come and have an experience with God and you won't see them anymore for several weeks or months until they get back in a, in a hole and they run back to church because they never understand really who God is. Listen, when you understand who your God is, when you understand the love and the mercy of God, that He is one who will stick with you closer than a brother, 
when you understand that God is a God that even though I cannot see him, I know that he's with me. Even though I can't touch him, I know I can feel him. Even though I don't feel like it sometimes, he is still right there with me. When I get revelation of who God is, I can fight the demons of hell. Amen. 